Good morning. Welcome to Bethany Lutheran at Warren, Oregon. Today we're looking at the Nativity story as told by Matthew. It's recorded in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus and Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So ladies, what did you do this week? Bake Christmas cookies and breads? Write the family Christmas newsletter? Mail Christmas cards? Do more Christmas shopping? Put some finishing touches on holiday sewing projects? Find more places for hiding kids' and grandkids' presents. Did you know that during the last 25 days before Christmas, we Americans will spend more than $25 billion, all in the name of Christmas spirit? We have to have the perfect gift for so many people on our shopping list and so many presents for each child. And we have to have the perfect Christmas dinner and the perfect Christmas decorations in and out. Have you noticed how perfect all families are in their Christmas letters? Tom got another promotion. He's now the new vice president. Susie's engaged to a neurosurgeon. It looks like she'll have her PhD paper published before her wedding date. Johnny lettered in three sports this year. Recruiters are calling every day with scholarship offers. And Michelle raised over $3 million to decorate the new hospital wing. Yeah, no wonder so many people experience depression, a physical collapse, and financial despair before the end of the year. It's all about image. Of course, we Christians have plenty of practice on image. Remember when we used to all polish our dress shoes and the children on Saturday night? And Sunday mornings, we put on our Sunday clothes and our church manners. And everyone knew better than to even hint at the chaos in the home that morning. 
Today, most anything goes for church clothing. However, we still work to portray the proper image. All the squabbling stays in the car for the trip home. During the service, we put aside our sneers, fears, and tears and put on a smiling countenance. Yes, we are the proper Christian family for a couple hours. We expect nothing less from the nativity story. All across the nation, Sunday school students put on a Christmas program depicting the young parents gazing lovingly upon the blessed holy child. And the Christmas carols speak of cattle lowing and shepherds gazing in the night sky where they see a multitude of angels appear singing praises to the newborn king. We see what we want to see. Maybe it is time to see the hints that Matthew provides as to what really was happening in the nativity story. Matthew lets us see some of the normalcy of the Holy Family. Now you may be thinking, Pastor, I've heard the story of Jesus' birth. There's nothing normal in that situation. Well, by normalcy, I'm referring to a young girl finding herself pregnant before she was married. Even though this happened by the power of the Holy Spirit, a most unnormal way, this girl had to face what pregnant single girls have faced for eons. There was the embarrassment and shame that she felt as the village women gossiped behind her back and the men snickered as she went by. After a few months, there was no hiding the fact that this baby came way too early in the marriage. In a small village, this sort of shame does not go away once the baby is born. Oh no, it is still whispered about many years later. That's why there's a distinctive name for a child such as Mary's son. Mary must have felt such humiliation when she saw how people treated her parents, who obviously had not raised her right. In Luke's account, we read of the angel who visited Mary to proclaim how God had chosen her to be the Messiah's mother. How incredible is that? But who would ever believe her? Joseph loved Mary, but even he could not believe this incredible tale. By normalcy, I'm referring to Joseph's circumstances. The woman pledged to be his wife is now pregnant. This is not unheard of, it happens. However, Joseph knows the baby cannot be his. They had both behaved honorably throughout the time of their betrothal, or so he thought. Joseph was the wronged party. Through his pain, disappointment, and betrayal, he had every right to report Mary's circumstances to the rabbi, and she would be stoned to death for her offense against God. Yet Matthew tells us that Joseph was a righteous man and unwilling to expose Mary to public disgrace. So he planned to divorce her quietly. He would not inflict on Mary the anguish that he felt. Maybe she could live with her cousin Elizabeth, far away from wagging tongues. And this is when the gospel steps in. 
There's nothing exceptional about this couple, except that God is working through them to draw near to us in love, grace, and salvation. God will protect Mary, who so willingly agreed to be part of his plan. In a dream, God says, sends an angel to reassure Joseph that Mary is the one he is to marry, that she has not betrayed him, but that God is working through her to transform the world. Being a God-fearing man who seeks to do the right thing, Joseph shows Mary great compassion and grace. He goes through with the marriage and protects and cares for this woman carrying a child that is not his. And so this very first story about the birth of Jesus is a story about compassion and grace orchestrated by God amidst the tawdry details of life. This is the gospel at work. Don't be fooled by the Sunday clothes that people over time have used to dress up the nativity story. Mary and Joseph were not merely characters from a stained glass window. God was working through real people with real challenges. He chose an unwed peasant girl rather than a fairy tale princess. God chose a common laborer with lots of doubts rather than a business mogul or a powerful leader. All through God's story, he has come through ordinary people, mixed up, screwed up, ordinary people, people like you and me. And if they are like us, maybe we can be more like them. That is, people through whom God can work. People who may not understand, but trust God enough to go along with whatever he asks us to do. As the prophet spoke, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Yes, God is with us. God came to be with us as we are not as we know we should be, or are trying to be, or have promised to be, but as we are right now in this moment. God came to us in Christ to be with us, to use us to work out his plan and to make us holy by his presence. In the first chapter of Matthew, he records that Jesus would also be called Emmanuel, God with us. And the very last words from Jesus recorded at the end of the book of Matthew, surely I will be with you to the end of the age. God with the peasants, the smelly shepherds, and the strange Gentile, Gentile magi astrologers. God with the prostitutes and the lepers and the outcasts. God with the little children who sought to be in his company. God with us in the cancer clinic, in the dialysis center. God with us in the hospice room when we exhale our last breath. God with us in the nursing home, in our wheelchairs, all lined up in the community room. 
God with us when you see the pink slip in the pay envelope and when your child screams, I hate you. God with us when you visit your child in a mental institution. And God with us when your mother stares at you with an Alzheimer's glaze and asks, what was your name again? God with us when we pack up the Christmas decorations and realize that your son never did call over the holidays. God with us even when we are too angry or too ashamed to look at him. Maybe, just maybe, when we start to see God in all aspects of our lives, we will be able to fully trust his promises and serve him wherever he asks. For then our hearts will know the peace that passes all understanding, the peace found only in Emmanuel, Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.